Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. All right. You guys heard from him this morning, okay? Trey's Kennard, his wife is Hannah, been married for eight years. They live in Edmond, Oklahoma. Yeah, give it up for Oklahoma. Raced professional motocross and supercross for 12 years. 2008 East Coast, 250 supercross champion. 2010, 250 motocross champion. A part of 2010 Motocross of Nations winning team for Team USA. 2013 AMA Sportsman of the Year. Currently a test rider and coach for American Honda. Guys, give it up for Trey Kennard. What is up, Idaho? How's camp going, guys? That sounded pretty weak. That sounded pretty weak. How's camp going, guys? So what do you guys think of motocross? All right, all right. I see my motocross guys. Hey, you know what's crazy is we have a football player doing motocross, and this guy rips. It's crazy, man. It's awesome. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, guys. Like seriously, this is so so cool. I can't even begin to tell you how cool this is because usually FCA motocross, we end up in these these camps, and we're away from sport camps. We're, we're always separated. And this is the very first time in FCA history that motocross has been included with all the other sports. Man, it, it is so awesome. I, I just, I can't tell you because your sport might have brought you here to this camp. It might have brought your interest to this camp, but Jesus brought us all together tonight. Man, I, I'm so excited about this because we, we all have Jesus in common, but uh, man, how many of you guys think, man, you, you just sit on a motorcycle, right? It can't be that hard. Is, any of you guys think that? Okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. So when, when, we, when we were talking about doing this the first time, uh, there was some thought like, oh, you just, you just sit on a vert, yeah, dirt bike, you know, you, you know, not that hard. But one uh, your own, Randy Hutchins came to Oklahoma Motocross Camp to see what it was all about. And about three minutes into Randy being there, he almost got ran over like three or four times. He's like dodging people left and right. And uh, he looked at me and goes, man, these, these guys are athletes. Like, wow, they're jumping these 80-foot jumps. We have these like eight-year-olds, you know, jumping like 80 feet, like just getting like 20 foot of air. It's crazy. So he, he was like, man, these guys are athletes. And then uh, one night after chapel, we had like the longest game of knockout going. There was a basketball hoop. And uh, he's like... Oh, Okay, these motocrossers are athletes, but they really need help on their basketball. <laughs> They're not so good on their basketball. I, I want to show you actually what, what my basketball shot looked like for like the first 17 years of my life. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready? Okay, you're going to be really impressed. It looks something like this. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? I, I, know, I know the basketball crew. I, I know you're jealous. If you want to talk to me later, we can. But we have, this, we have this common bond as, as athletes, and, and this really excites me, right? Because it, it's something that, that we share together no matter what sport we do, and it's this drive, this drive. And it, 
And it can be motivated, motivated by several different things, but, but we all have it, right? And, and what I mean by this drive is this, is this thing that, that pushes you when your coaches or whoever it is around you, they want you to do that extra rep or do that extra thing. It's that thing inside you that goes, man, I, I want to I do this. I've got to do this. And we share that. And I think that's so special. I think that's so special we have that as, as athletes all across the board. So that drive, I want, I want to talk about that drive for a minute. Because I think that drive can be motivated by, by several different things. Maybe it's a, a place you want to get to. Maybe it's a thing you want to do. Like maybe, maybe some of you are, are motivated by, man, I just, I just want to get to a place. Maybe it's a state championship or maybe it's college sports. Maybe it's a, a motocross championship. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I got to show love to my motocross guys. Um, but maybe, maybe it's a place you want to get to. Maybe you think, man, I, I, just, I just want a platform. Like I just want to share my faith in my sport. I don't, I don't know what that is for you. What, what motivates you? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's money. Maybe you're like, man, I got I to gotta get that. I got to get that sport because, man, I got to, that's what I'm after is that money. I don't know what motivates you, but I think it's, I think it's special because I think that's the thing that, that really bonds us together. We have that drive. So I, I do want to ask you, I want you to think about for just a minute, what does drive you? What is the motivation for you to do your sport? What is the thing that gets you up in the morning and makes you do the hard stuff? Think about that for a minute. What is the place that if you arrived at, you'd go, okay, that, that's right, that's, that's enough. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what drove me. So on the surface, I just love my sport. A lot of you guys, man, it's like, oh, I just, I just love my sport. It's like when I hear a dirt bike, I just, man, I get fired up about it. It's awesome. I love fossil fuels, man. Let's burn them. And I wanted to be like my heroes. You know, I saw my heroes on TV and I was like, man, I just, I just want to do that someday. I just think it's so cool. But I want to take it deeper for just a minute um, and tell you that uh, a, lot of, a lot of reason I did this was because I, I wanted to be validated. I wanted people to tell me that I was good because in my family, I don't know if any of you guys are like this, but I was the bad kid. Anybody the bad kid in their family? All right. <laughs> All right. We got a lot of bad kids. I like it. <laughs> No, but here's the, here's the thing. I wanted to do something good because I was, I had, I'm a redhead, right? I got a little bit of a temper. When I was a little kid, I used to throw things and there was not all that much excitement. But, but I wanted to do something so good that, that, that people would validate me. They'd love me. And they'd tell me, hey, you're, you're good. You're good enough. You did this. And I think a little bit of it is, is the, the guy that wins, I always thought, you know, the guy that wins, the guy that's successful, he's, he's not alone. He's never lonely. Because he's on top, he's got all these people around him. I said, man, I want to I be that guy. See, I, I lost my dad when I was 12, and I just thought, you know, man, I, I don't like losing people. I can't lose anymore. And so part of my drive was like, I want to get to the top. I want to get to this place, and when I get there, people won't leave me. It'll be around me all the time because I'm not at the top. And that's the vision I had in my head. And so I want to tell you for just a minute about the time that I, I reached the top my 250 national championships. I don't know how to really explain this to you, but what's the, what's the, the championship in your sport? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's just a state, cha- maybe it's a state championship, maybe it's a, uh, just making it to college, maybe it's a college championship, maybe it's um, some type of personal tournament championship. I don't know what that is, but for me, this, this was like the pinnacle, right? When you think about, um, oh man, I miss, I miss introducing my family to you guys. I'm sorry about that. You guys met my wife this morning. But I want, I want you to think, I was thinking about this, is, is um, this championship. I thought, man, if I got there, if I get this, I will, I will be, I'll get there. I'll, I'll have it. I'll be complete. If I just get to this place, I'll be complete. 
I'll have it all. It'll be good. I'll be surrounded by people. No one will leave me. So I won this championship in 2010. And it was exciting. It was cool. It was crazy. We were celebrating as a team. We were high-fiving. We were hugging. We were doing all this stuff. And it was awesome. It was exciting. But this really interesting thing happened. We're walking back after celebrating for like an hour. And I'm, I'm surrounded by like hundreds of people. And I just remember thinking, man, I, I kind of feel lonely right now. And it was, just, it was just really weird thing. Like, here I was. I thought there was this thing that I was going to get, and it was going to complete me. It was going to fill me up, and people weren't going to leave me, and I was never going to feel lonely. But I found myself in this place, and I was, I was lonely, and it was, it was really weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was really excited, but I hit this moment, and, and I got to this place, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Life has a way of doing that, I think. It has a, a way of duping us, right? Do you guys ever remember a toy in your time when you were a kid? And you're like, I got to get that toy, right? Like you're, you're a, a watching TV and you're like, man, it's that toy. And you're like, mom, I got to get this toy. Please give me this toy. And then you, you get the toy and then you play for it like for maybe an hour and then you never see the toy again. Anyone, anyone have that experience? So for, when I was a kid, there was this thing called sock and boppers. Anyone heard of a sock and bopper? Probably the older crowd, sock and boppers. Okay. So sock and boppers, if you don't know what a sock and bopper was, it was like this inflatable boxing glove thing. I don't, I don't really know what it was, but it had this really cool commercial. And it was like these kids with sock and boppers on, and they'd be like, sock and bopper, it's better than a pillow fight. And I was like, I got to get a sock and bopper. And my, and my mom was like, you're not getting a sock and bopper. So I, I went to a friend's house one time, and he had sock and boppers, and I was so amped. I'm like, I'm finally going to get to play with some sock and boppers. And so we were like blowing up, and we're like, <laughs> and it took like 30 minutes just to blow them up. And then we were, we were boxing with our sock and boppers, and we're like, yeah, this is so fun. And then we hit the corner of like a table, and it was like, <sighs> but that was, my, that was one of my first experiences of letdown. But I, I think, I really think that this is, this is a very common human problem. So I want to take you back to Genesis. There's Adam and Eve, right? And they're with God and and everything is good. They're in this garden with God. They're with the creator of the universe. They are sustained. They are taken care of. Everything is good. Everything was good in the world. But God says to them, do not eat of the the tree of of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you you will certainly die. And so they're like, all right, we're here. God sets these bounds and we're with him. We love him. But Satan comes along one day and he's like, hey, don't listen to God. You can eat of the fruit. It's, all, it's okay. And he says it like this. In Genesis 3, 5, he says, For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You're going to be like God. And that, that sounded pretty good to Adam and Eve. And they thought, man, this, this place I want to get to, I can be like God. And so they eat this fruit. And, and what happens? What happens when they eat the fruit? They're ashamed they cover themselves. They hide from God. They think, man, I was, I was going to be like God. What happened? I got to this place, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And it happens throughout the story of God. There's King David, right? King David, he's this king, and he's, he's set up this empire. Everything is going awesome. He's, he's just this top king. He doesn't even go to war anymore. So one night, he's sitting on a roof, and he sees this woman bathing. 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 3 says, From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And this woman just, it made his whole life, right? Everything was good after that. Right? No. No. That woman became pregnant and David just did a full freak out. 
They wanted the deception and even had the, the guys or the woman's husband murdered. And so over and over throughout the story of God, we see these people, they see this place and they, they want to get to and, and then they get there and it's not what they expected. And I think this is a human problem. It's a hu- what humans desire. They try to fill things, this hole in their heart with things of this world and it leaves them empty every time. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says it like this, the eye never has enough of seeing the ear, it's full of hearing. And it's this idea of, of wanting but never being satisfied. And I think, I think that Jesus knows the temptation of want because he was human. He was God, but he was human. He was like us. He knows what it is to, to want. And the reason I think that is because Jesus was walking somewhere with his disciples one day. And this wasn't just a walk. This was, this was a hike, you know. Um, and it wasn't like they hiked in like Patagonia and they had like hydro flasks and camelbacks. He was walking, he was hiking in sandals, you know, in a tunic. I don't even know what that looks like, but it doesn't sound like fun. So John 4, 6 says this, Jacob's well was there. This is after they made this journey. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was about noon. Now, I don't know what noon is like um, in in the, the Middle East, but I know noon today was pretty hot. So I imagine that Jesus was, was pretty parched at this point. He knows what it is. I'm sure you experienced it some this week where you got to a part in, the, in your training sessions and you thought, man, I'm, I'm hot. I just want some water. I'm, an, I'm in a need for water. So this woman comes along and in their culture, there should be this tension, right? She's a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. And there's this, this, this radical tension. And she come, comes to this well, and Jesus asks this woman from a drink, for a drink from the well. The woman is shocked because Jesus is talking to her. She's, she says, how can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus answers her this way, John 4.10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and what it was that you asked for a drink, or who it is that asked for a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living, living water. And her response is, you don't have anything to get water with. She doesn't know that she's talking to the guy that actually created water. She, she says, you don't, you don't have anything to get water with. John four thirteen through 14. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone, everyone who comes to this well and just drinks this physical water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the lady's like, cool, I, I get thirsty. You know, she has this moment where she's like, she still thinks it's about physical water. She says, how do, how do I get this water? Give me this water. See, this, this woman thought she'd found something that was going to meet this physical need, this, this something in her, this part in her that she needed some water. She wanted some water. She thought this is going to be the thing that fills this hole, that fills this want, that fills this desire. But Jesus explains to her that that he is a living water. And he is the only thing that can fill that want. Jesus explains to her that this water that he's talking about, his Holy Spirit, is for all those who worship him in spirit and truth, and that he is this Messiah. And so this is, this is what I, I want to tell you tonight. And, and please, if, if you don't hear anything that I've said, please listen to this. Jesus is the only one the only thing that can fill 
this hole in our heart, this physical hole in our heart, this want, this desire. Jesus is the only thing that can fill that. He's the only thing that can give us eternal life. Jesus is the only thing that can make us complete. The only thing that can quench that thirst that we have. So there's a lot of things that we can run to and we can go to that can quench that thirst for a minute, right? But Jesus says this. He says, everyone who drinks that kind of water gets thirsty again. And they have to keep coming back. And they get thirsty again and they have to keep coming back. And they have to get thirsty again and they have to keep coming back. But the water that I give you, this living water, this relationship with me, this person will drink and they will never be thirsty again. They'll never be thirsty again. Because here's the deal. Jesus, a relationship with Jesus is the only place that we will ever get to and we will say, this is so much more than I ever expected. We can get some places. Yeah, we can clap for that. We can get... We can get a lot of places, right, and think, hey, this is cool, but there's going to be some kind of let down there. There's going to be like, oh, this was great. I loved it, but I thought it might be different. But Jesus is the only place we get to, and we say, this is more than I can ever imagine. Can you imagine the day that we enter eternity? We're not going to get there and say, no, that's all right. We're going to say, Jesus, how am I here? How did you do this? I don't understand. This is so much more than I can ever comprehend. This is so much more than I can ever understand. So, so hear me out for just a minute. I have to go on a little bit of a side note. Because what I don't want is, is to tell you that you shouldn't pursue your sport. Right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying give up everything that, that you're pursuing and, and just dump that and, and move to Uganda. I mean, maybe, maybe that might be some of you. <laughs> but this is what I'm, I, I want to say this for just a minute. We can go for our goals. Godly people do it every day, and they do it in a way that honors God in such a powerful way. And there was times in my career when I really lived out Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as for working for the Lord, not for human masters. When, when I lived that verse out, I was full. I was operating out of living water. But I'm telling you, there was sometimes when I was operating, I was wanting this physical water. Go for your goals. Just, just don't forget about the living water. Because one thing, when I was preparing for this, I was on a plane ride and I was watching a documentary. It's called The Weight of Gold. And it was created by uh, Michael Phelps. He was an executive producer. Does anyone know Michael Phelps? You guys know Michael Phelps? Uh, the, all the swimmers are like, oh, we know Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps has all of these medals. Anyone know how many medals Michael Phelps has? 20, did you say 28? Wow, that's a lot of medals. But what struck me, one second guys, listen to this. What struck me about this, all these medals, this is what Michael Phelps said about these medals. Yeah, I want a ton of medals, but they don't mean anything. Because he's operating, operating out of physical water. Guys, when we operate out of living water, this thing that we drink, and it's, it's Jesus, and it's thing, this thing that will quench our thirst forever. When we operate out of living water and we do our sport, watch out. Because whatever happens in our sport, God will be honored. God will be glorified. No matter if you win or fail or get hurt or succeed, God will be honored and it will be the thing that fills you up continually. Because if we seek Jesus, that will be the thing. What is the thing that is keeping you from knowing Jesus? And if you know Jesus, what is the thing 
that is keeping you from knowing him more? That thing that you're pursuing? Is it a thing, a want, a desire? Maybe it's a relationship or a person. Or maybe it's a, it's a, it's a hurt, right? Like maybe there's some, some things in your life that, are, that have been a pain. Things have happened to you. I know because I've experienced some things too. There's some things that have happened to some people in this room tonight that, that would break all of us if we knew. That would, would tear us to the heart. Because the things that you guys are going through at your age are, are so intense. And I'm telling you, if that's the thing that is keeping you from living water, just think about that thing for a minute. Get it on your mind. Meditate on it. What is the thing keeping you from knowing Jesus, knowing this living water? Because Jesus died to take away the things that separate us from him, these real things, this living water. The sin that separates us from him, the pain we just can't seem to move past, the fear that debilitates us. Hey, I, I race motorcycles. I know something about fear, man. I was pretty scared sometimes. The secret we can't seem to tell anyone, no one. Maybe this is the thing keeping you from knowing living water. But Jesus died that i want you to listen to this verse for a minute and, and really listen to this it's colossians 2 14 through 15 i'm going to read it slow but i want you to listen to it when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh god made you alive with christ he forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He disarmed these powers and authorities. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus if we choose to pursue him. If you choose to pursue Jesus, if you trust him with all you have and you go after him and you follow him our god nails whatever that is whatever that thing is that you have in your mind right now he nails that to a cross just like this i know that uh you guys have heard a lot about sin this week right do you guys know what sin is i want to take just a minute just to to think about this so god creates a good world right everything is good He says, it is very good. I've created man and man is very good. But he he sets these boundaries, right? He says, if if I want to get real love from man, I need to give them the ability to choose me or to not to choose me. And so he sets these boundaries. He says, if you want to be with me, I need you to choose choose me. I need you to pursue me. And here's the thing. If you pursue sin, we can't be in relationship because I am holy, holy, holy. So what sin is, if you think about a target, I know some of you have heard this before, but if you think about a target, God says, if you want relationship with me, I want you to hit bullseye every single time. But anything outside of that bullseye is is sin, it's missing the mark, it's missing that bullseye. How many of us have sinned in this room? Everybody, right? Everybody has sinned. Not one person in this room has not sinned. But Jesus does this. He says, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to hit the mark perfectly every single time. I'm never going to miss it. And because of that, I'm going to live out Colossians 2, 14 and 
2, 14, and 15. And I'm going to nail whatever it is that you've missed the mark about. I'm going to nail that to a cross. And when I do that and you accept me and you pursue me, you can have relationship with Jesus because of what I have done. I've lived this perfect life and I've gone to the cross and I've been nailed to this cross for you because I love you, because of what I have done for you. That is what Jesus has done. Romans 3.24 says, And all are justified by his grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus If we pursue Jesus, if we trust in him, he will nail everything that separates us from God to that cross. And that is a promise. That is a promise to you. It is a promise to everybody in this room. Everyone that just raised their hand, it's a promise. It'll be taken away. It'll be nailed to that cross. It'll be done away with forever. It will never come back. He will do away with it. He will separate that as far from the east is from the west from your life. And you can have relationship with him. Jesus offers us that chance. So tonight, you guys know a little bit about these crosses, what these crosses are here for? Yeah. Tonight, we want to give you the chance to think that thing we thought about just a minute ago, that thing that is so hard for you, that you can't tell anyone, that you can't get off your mind, that is keeping you from living water. We're going to give you the chance to nail it physically to this cross. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. You